Hi there, Spark. Thank you guys so much for leading us in worship. What an incredible gift it is to be with you all this afternoon. Oh, it's my favorite part of the week. Thank you all for being here. Join us as we continue in our study and in our worship through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this afternoon, we're reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. I'll just stop right there for a moment and note that Jesus has just um, experienced ritual immersion with John the Baptist and come back on out of those waters and full of the Holy Spirit returning from the Jordan River is now led by the Spirit in the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days and when they were over he was famished. Let's pause right there for a moment. Let's locate Jesus in the country. No wonder he's famished. He is just in the Rift Valley. Um, sometimes some of the hottest temperatures on earth are in this beautiful valley. And right just north of Jericho is the traditional site of the temptation of Jesus. We don't know exactly which wadi it's in, but someplace right around here. Um, just around Jericho, City of Palms right below. Up here in this photo, you can see a monastery there that remembers the temptation of Jesus built into the side of that wadi um, it's called mount temptation i don't think it was called that in jesus's day but it's become known by that name now and you can even take like this really nice gondola up to the top of that mountain which i'm sure is exactly how jesus got there way back when um, if you do go make sure to stop at temptation restaurant fantastic there in jericho lots of things to be tempted by and i think uh, some of you may have even been with us a few times in jericho uh, pre-COVID days, someday we'll all go back. See, tempted already. So that's where Jesus is in terms of where he's located in the country, someplace in the Rift Valley um, and pushed up towards those Judean mountains in the Judean wilderness. Okay. So there he is, 40 days, he's famished because he's located in a very, a very des desolate part of the country. The devil says to him, if you're the son of God, command the stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live on bread alone. Let's pause there for a moment. If you recall, during Jesus' baptism, as God rips open the heavens and shouts, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, God quotes his own text, pulling from Deuteronomy, and from Genesis, and from Isaiah, and from the Psalms, and just says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, which is amazing. So Jesus being a good son of the father, will now quote text too. So as the devil has said to him, hey, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answers, one does not live by bread alone. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three, saying, this is what it says there in Deuteronomy, he humbled you by letting you hunger, then you feeding, by feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He quotes from this passage of Deuteronomy that remembers the Israelite wandering in the wilderness and remembers that God provided for the Israelites, even in a rough and tumble wilderness, by giving them bread, mana, um, literally in Hebrew it's mana, like what is it? Um, because it was bread that they had never seen before. So Jesus grabs hold of that Israelite wandering in the wilderness, just as Jesus now is wandering in the wilderness too, grabs hold of that verse and uses it as um, a response to Satan's temptation. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, 
to you I will give their glory and all this authority for it has been given over to me and I give it to anyone I please if you then will worship me it will all be yours so Satan offers Jesus the glory and the authority of all the kingdoms of the world basically to be like the Caesars and the Herods right that we've been talking about just a couple weeks ago in this like you can have that kind of power and Jesus answers him it is written Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And here he quotes text again from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. The Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name alone you shall swear, right? You're not to serve anybody else. No other gods shall you have before me, it says at the very beginning of our Ten Commandments. And so Jesus reaches back and grabs hold of that text. Then, proceeding on in Luke, it says, The devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. What is happening here? Well, he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. We have uh, temple walls still today, but not the temple any longer. So there's a model here for you to look at. And we think to locate Jesus somewhere in some corner here on the temple, he pulls Jesus on up there and gives him the temptation to throw himself down, some sort of magnificent display, and that the angels will bear him up. So Jesus answers him. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, Jesus grabs hold of text from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. So when the devil, now back to Luke, when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The title of our message today is In the Wilderness. So let's look for a little bit of just a few things we might note from Jesus's presence here in the wilderness and how this all functions together. First of all, we can say that Jesus does now in the wilderness for Israel, for us, what Israel could not do for herself in the wilderness. As Satan offers Jesus power and acclamation and immortality, all of which Jesus will eventually gain, but he won't get this way. In all of these analogy, all these pieces, the reason why Jesus can grab all of his responses from Deuteronomy 6 is because these are things that Israel was tempted with. They were tempted with hunger in the wilderness. They were tempted to try to claim power and fame for themselves or to not worship the Lord God only, right? So Jesus is going to do for Israel um, what we couldn't do for ourselves when we were there. Jesus's temptations certainly do differ, though, from normal human temptations and even from the temptations of the Israelites. We cannot turn stones into bread, nor could Israel. Um, we don't have the confidence that angels will break our falls, nor do we have the chance to seize universal power. At least I haven't had that chance yet. Um, but we are all, all tempted to engage in quick fixes rather than promote systems of change. Um, we're in tempted to put self-interest first or satisfaction ahead of communal need. We're tempted to worship the gods of this earth, power, privilege, money, beauty, longevity. So in these temptations um, that Jesus has, even though we aren't tempted with the same things, we can see ways in which we've experienced similar um, temptations in this world. 
Jesus now, through this story of being in the wilderness, provides us a model for how Scripture guides us to right action and teaches us to overcome temptation and sin. So the first thing that Jesus does is he starts to quote Scripture. He quotes text. He knows his story, and that allows him to respond back to the things of this world. As we together pray every single week, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are too quoting our text, and we are using that to continue to gird up our hearts to consider again how we pray the way of Jesus and Jesus's kingdom into this world versus our own, versus the way of humanity, versus the way of power and of temptation. So we know that as we experience similar temptations or other temptations in our life, we can come at those by leaning back into our biblical story, by remembering how God provided for Israel, by remembering how God has provided for us, by remembering the ethics and the teachings of Jesus, and using those to lean into so that we might not be led into temptation but delivered from evil, just as Jesus was here in the wilderness. Um, we remember that when you come to wilderness wanderings in times like this, let's look at what Jesus did. He did not fight and he did not run from the wilderness. That is such a temptation, isn't it? When we see wilderness times up in front of us, we are like, I am out of here. I don't want to be here or I'm going to fight against the wilderness or I'm going to run away from the wilderness. But instead, the Bible over and over again will present the wilderness as an opportunity for us. In our biblical story, in Israel's story, and in the story here with Jesus, we see the wilderness as a place of testing, but it's also a place of speaking and of hearing and a place of being formed, a place of beginnings. That's what it was for the Israelites. This is what it is for Jesus here too. As Jesus now has found himself immersed in those baptismal waters, the mikvah waters, and pulled up, and as God has called out his identity into this world and then led him by the Spirit into the wilderness, that Jesus is now starting to begin his ministry, his mission in this world. So I would like to encourage us this afternoon to think of the wilderness and of our wilderness seasons in our own spiritual life as places where God actually leads us to, places where God speaks to us and remains with us. In fact, the word for wilderness in the Hebrew, bamidbar, is actually derived from the word to speak, Medeber. I, if I want to say I'm, I'm going to speak Hebrew, I say ani medebret, ani medebret ivrit. So you can hear that the wilderness is a place where God speaks. It's a speaking place, not just a place only of testing or of trials. It's also a place where we lean on God because we have to, because God provides for us in a way that we are, we need to be provided for and where there is no other recourse. We can't all of a sudden from within ourselves summon up water or summon up food. We lean into God in the wilderness and in these wilderness seasons of life. Perhaps COVID right now is a wilderness season for you and for me. And this can be a time where we can fight against it, we can run from it, or we can try to lean into what God might be saying to us here in this place, lean into God's provision and try to look around at all the ways in which God is speaking to us and try to call out to us and get our attention. The wilderness oftentimes in the Bible is not just a place where God speaks. It's not just a place where we lean into God, but it's a place where somehow we become more open up to listen. The wilderness is that speaking place for God, but it's a place then of listening for us. And my prayer is right now is so many of us are finding us ourselves in the wilderness 
that we would start to listen and there would be some comfort in hearing God speak to us in places like this. I want to note that as Jesus is tempted, the Spirit never leaves Jesus. The Spirit of God is with Jesus throughout all of this temptation these 40 days. Jesus faces the temptation with the same two resources that we have today. The Spirit of God has not left us, nor has the Word of God departed from us. And as we are in these seasons of wilderness and temptation and challenge, know that you are not alone. Know that the Spirit of God is still with you and me, and that we still have the Word of God speaking to us today. May we have ears that listen. So Spark Church, I want to encourage us all as we read this Wilderness Temptation series, this little moment here in our story. Embrace the wilderness. Lean into it. Listen to what God might be speaking into your heart, into mine, into the hearts of our communities. Be strengthened in the wilderness for you are not alone. God has not left you. God has not abandoned us. And God is still at work and still speaking. And I'm going to pray that we see this wilderness time as a time of preparation as well and a time of beginnings. We might start to see God doing great and good works in us and through us in our communities, our homes, our neighborhoods, our churches, our nation, our world. Let's lean in and continue to listen to what God is speaking to us in the wilderness. God is with us. We are not alone. And Jesus will provide for us as we're in these seasons. Now, as we turn our hearts towards communion, we'll remember that even in dry and desolate places and in difficult times, Jesus sets a table for us and prepares a place for us. And as Jesus invites us to these communion tables, to this communion table this afternoon, I want to remind all of you, everyone is welcome at this table. It's not our table. It's not our bread. It's not our juice. It's not our body. It's not our blood. It is Christ's, and Christ has welcomed all. From the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. All are welcome at this table. Uh, grab your communion elements, and we'll take communion together as we're led in worship. Mm -hmm.